The episode of this podcast that you're about to listen to contains material that may be difficult for some listeners. The film that we cover in this episode, The Most Dangerous Game, contains depictions of sexual abuse and rape. We do discuss this on the podcast itself and the implications thereof. Before delving into the movie and the podcast, we thought it best to issue this content warning beforehand. Thank you. The Toho Gang are on a deadly mission. Explore dingy bowling hideouts and perilous rooftop shootouts in episode 67, The Most Dangerous Game. Hello and welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro, the Japanese film club podcast of your dreams. Mm. I'm Alex, your host <laughs> for this episode, and with me as always is Joey. Hello, infiltrating your dreams, dreamscape. <laughs> <laughs> and V. Hi, everybody. And uh, this week we will be talking about uh, this week, this episode, whichever, <laughs> however you're listening to this episode, we're talking about the most dangerous game. And no, I'm not talking about uh, you know the, the you know the the old short story wherein uh, uh, a game hunter uh, lures an unsuspecting man to his island and then proceeds <laughs> to hunt him. It's people. <laughs> oh, you mean much like Soylent Green? <laughs> That's right, V the Pest. That, that <laughs> God, I saw that. But the no, no, I, th- I saw that on home video back when it was released. Um, <laughs> No, uh, uh, this this most dangerous game uh, is one of the films uh, starring uh, Yusaku Matsuda, a a, um, a very prevalent uh, Japanese action star. Uh, you could say uh, allegedly the most prevalent, uh, depending on who you're talking to. Mm. Uh, and uh, I've always wanted to see one of his films. He was the uh, he, his face is the model for Aokiji uh, in One Piece and. Uh, um, he was also the model, of course, for Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop, and uh, mm. he, he's been parodied many times in anime. Uh, so I kind of wanted to check out uh, check out a Matsuda film. Uh, this was uh, luckily we have a, a bevy of listener suggestions to look through, and um, our listener Jason Pacman Pacman <laughs> uh, at Shin Jason on on Twitter. Uh, suggested the films of Yusaku Matsuda. So um, seeing as this is the first one in a trilogy, uh, I thought, hey, why not try this one out? Uh, it's, you know, it, it's findable on mm-hmm. the internet. Um, before we go on, uh, content warning, uh, there uh, we will be talking about uh, sexual assault in this particular episode as it's uh, featured uh, kind of heavily in the movie. Um, and we'll get to that uh, mm-hmm. We'll get to that as as we get there, I suppose. Um, but uh, uh, let's let's start off with. Uh, I mean, I've never seen this movie straight off the bat. Uh, v, have you seen this movie prior to this viewing? I had not. No. Uh, and and Joey, you you have correct? I have. Yeah. Um, I think that I had sort of been moving through. You know, he has that connection to One Piece, uh, Yusaku Matsuda being the model for Aokiji. And I had seen a bunch of movies um, that the other Admiral characters had been based off of, like um, Bunta Sugawara and Kunie Tanaka. And so I'd always kind of wanted to see um, Yusaku Matsuda, but his movies aren't 
as readily available. I think he's kind of more known, especially for like TV work, um, which I'm sure you'll cover. And and like, so I, but I had been recommended, I, I think I'd asked somebody, maybe Jason even, like what are movies that he's known for and um, this got brought up. And so I, yeah, checked it out several years ago and honestly didn't really remember it. I, I vaguely, when it came up about being covered on the show, I vaguely remembered being like, yeah, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really like that movie very much, but I couldn't remember why. And I, I remembered kind of checking out at some point and being a little bored, but always willing to give stuff another shot. And, uh, more and more frequently, I feel like we kind of disagree on stuff. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure. I'll just let's let's watch this and we'll see. Maybe I'll change my mind or maybe I'll be the the voice of dissent here. We'll, we'll see uh, how it goes. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, well, that's the nice thing about having the three of us is that we all have varying tastes. Mm. And uh, I think having different views is always great. But uh I think we all felt kind of similarly about this movie. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so the most dangerous game, a.k.a. Motomo Kiken Yanyugi, or Nayugi. Oh, boy. I butchered that one. Um, uh, is uh, is uh, the first of a three-part uh, trilogy featuring a character uh, named Shohei Narumi and um, uh, directed by Toru Murakawa. Um now, uh, a little bit on the director, since we haven't covered one of his films yet. Uh, Murakawa had always had a place at Nikatsu, the film studio, where mm. he started it as an assistant director on a couple films. Um, uh, he's also un- He also has an uncredited uh, role in the uh, World War II movie Tora, 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 mm. uh, which is kind of a fun fact. Uh, but his, his directorial debut was a Nikatsu Roman porno, uh, Shiro Yubi no Play, um, soon after he left Nikatsu to go back home to Yam- uh, Yamagata Prefecture, where he helped his brother establish the Yamagata Symphony Orchestra. So he has a little bit of a music background as well. Mm. Um, he then uh, soon after found TV work uh, and directed uh, uh, Big City Fighting Days, which is where he met Isaka Matsuda, a uh, frequent collaborator whom he worked with on uh, the game trilogy, of course, and uh, most notably Detective Story, uh, which yeah. is a long running uh, TV drama starring uh, Isaka Matsuda, um, which is I, I, I largely the reason that Matsuda is such a huge, um, huge star. Yeah, I'd really I'd like to see some episodes of that if I ever can someday, because um, I'm curious about it. And I've seen like the opening sequence and little clips and stuff, and it, it seems pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He plays a private eye rather than a hitman, um, which I get we'll talk about. Uh, so uh, another fun fact about uh, Murakawa is that he's well known for his deep knowledge of music. Uh, just uh, all encompassing and uh Yes, he is a he's an amateur saxophonist um, mentioned earlier, and uh, it's uh, it's said that Yuji Ono, uh, a composer and keyboard player who later formed the Yugi series, was an old acquaintance from that time. Now, uh, the Yugi series, of course, is the game trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, the other two movies are uh, Satsujin Yugi and Shoke Yugi. Uh, but the uh, the the interesting thing of course is is the inclusion of course of yuji ono uh who a lot of people may recognize uh so yuji ono composed this movie uh, i kind of wanted to touch on him a little bit because this movie uh this movie's music i think is some of my favorite 
thing, yeah. thing about this music, this movie. Um, so, uh, Yuji Ono is a jazz musician. Um, not just a musician, but a composer. He, uh, God, he's, um, gotten this extensive career spanning film, uh, anime and TV drama, uh, Toho Yara related, he composed the uh, music for the Inugami family, a movie mm-hmm. which you will hear us talk about one day uh, when I edit together our last episode. Um, but uh, widely known, he's most famous for his work on the Lupin the Third series. Yeah, and you can hear it immediately. Like, oh, yes. Like the first frame of this film, I'm like, oh, Lupin music, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like over the, the toy ra- waves and rocks. Yeah, it just immediately cuts in. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Lupin, uh, the third theme is, is you know, widely recognizable, and he's done so many different versions of it, but the uh, BGM in Lupin is absolutely insane. Uh, there is a sequence in this where he, where Matsuda fires a gun, and it's the same Toei stock sound effect that the Lupin, like, gun sound effect is uh and that plus the music i was just like wow okay i'm being transported here but um Mm -hmm. yeah uh so i would i would say that uh the music is its own uh cast member uh or cast member in its own right uh so uh yusaku matsuda let's talk about him for a moment uh as mentioned before his most famous role was that of shinsaku kudo in detective story and then uh, he went on to have a fruitful career as an action star in the 70s, moving to dramas in the 80s. Uh, his final film appearance was the villain in Ridley Scott's Black Rain, uh, mm-hmm. uh, acting alongside the likes of Andy Garcia and Kit Capshaw. Um, and uh, he um, he died soon after that. Uh, uh, no thanks to cancer. Um, but he uh, is survived by his sons, Shota and Ryuhei, who are both actors now in their own right. Uh, Shota Matsuda, uh, most notably uh, in the live-action Liar game. And uh, Ryuhei Matsuda um, has a role in The Raid 2, among other films. But those are the two that I'm the most familiar with. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Matsuda um, <laughs> Sr., uh, that's in this movie, um, is... In the Seijin Suzuki movie uh, Kageruza, which is one of his kind of later, more artsy movies that I have seen and was too tired when I saw it and didn't appreciate it. I think I, I want to see it again sometime. It's one of the more abstract movies. And another famous movie that he's in is called The Family Game, uh, which I've which uh, the title is obviously taking off on these. But um and that's a movie that's really well revered that I also don't like. So I don't have a very good batting average with this guy. But um, but I don't know. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, some folks uh, speak pretty highly of that uh, family game movie. It's kind of a, you know, satire on uh, 80s uh, Japanese suburban life. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matsuda... Uh I mean, I the I know him mostly through One Piece, of course. But the uh, the the uh, as I was watching this movie, the Spike Spiegel comparison kept flashing in my head mm. because the way he fights, the way he sort of carries himself, is very uh, very reminiscent of that of Cowboy Bebop's very own Spike Spiegel. Not just that, but the the kind of archetype of the hyper competent, but also kind of like simultaneously lazy and goofy bad mm-hmm. luck kind of character. Yeah. 
which I think carries over to Lupin as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, there's a scene later on in the movie that reminds me of Lupin a lot, but we'll get to that. Um, uh, as for the rest of the cast in this movie, uh, most notably, uh, I would say that the female lead in this movie uh, is Keiko uh, Tasaka, but I couldn't find any info on her. Mm. Um, she plays Kyoko. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any info on her. That's uh, a real shame. Uh, uh, the character of Nanjo is played by uh, Masanari uh, Irie, uh, notably in a couple Sentai shows, and uh, Torasan the Matchmaker. <laughs> I always gotta note a uh, a Torasan uh, cast member whenever we have one show up. And uh, Asao Uchida, um, this guy uh, is pretty. He was pretty active in the sixties and seventies. Uh, pretty big name. Um, yeah, he, this guy is like another one of those like classic bad guy bosses. He's in a lot of movies as a if. He, I don't know. <laughs> I immediately suspected him of foul play because he usually is a bad <laughs> dude. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, it, most notably, I'd say uh, he he is Okubo Kenichi in the Battles Without Honor and Humanity series. Mm. Um, a good a good chunk of them, actually. Um, and he plays two separate characters in two separate Lone and, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub movies. <laughs> and uh, bringing back the Tora 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 connection. Uh, he plays General Hideki Tojo in that movie. So, he's uh, got a history of playing some pretty bad dudes, <laughs> so to speak. Okay. Um, well, uh, I guess that leads us into the synopsis of the film. Uh, we're introduced to uh, Narumi, who is basically a... Uh, he's a hitman who is... Uh, good at his job and sucks at everything else. He's a bad gambler, a really bad drinker. Uh, you know, just carries himself pretty, uh, pretty lazily, pretty shittily. But uh, apparently, he always gets the job done as far as killing people goes. Um, uh, he is hired by uh, by a gentleman. Uh, gosh, what where, what is his name? Do 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 do. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I, I want to. I want to get his name right. Uh, Kohinata. Uh, yes. Uh, so, um, basically, after losing a mahjong gang and getting beaten up, uh, he gets this job offer from an arms company that's currently vying for a large government contract to develop a uh, missile defense system, kind of like uh, the Star Wars missile defense system. Um, <laughs> predates that by a lot. Uh, um, but as reported in um, many flying newspapers, uh, which is how the movie starts out, uh, <laughs> a number of top CEOs are being uh, kidnapped for ransom, uh, thanks to a plot by the Godai conglomerate. Uh, the Tunichi Corporation want Narumi to rescue their kidnapped employee, Nanjo, who happens to be the son-in-law of uh, the, um, the CEO. Now, uh, I had to read that from a website because uh, yeah. <laughs> I tried watching this exposition like three times and I still couldn't get it. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like I got like there's kidnappings and we yeah. want you to do something about it. <laughs> it's yeah. like the details of this are not important. There's some <laughs> business stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. The, the details are 100% not important, but uh, I, I don't know for whatever reason, I feel like if I had to, I had to understand 
what was going on. Um, so, uh, he basically spends the entire movie, uh, following the formula of, um, trying to find, uh, trying to find the, uh, you know, the kidnapped, uh, employee, uh, ends up, uh, ends up, uh, raping a, uh, the mistress of one of the, uh, one of the kidnappers, um, over the phone in order to try and suss him out. She ends up falling in love with him and then taking care of him, nursing one of his wounds after another gunfight. It's basically gunfight, uh, rest, gunfight, rest, Mm -hmm. um, until he ends up, uh, eventually, uh, killing the target. Um, eventually just kills everybody. Yeah. He's <laughs> and maims his employer who then dies of a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, uh, Oh yeah. And, and the cops are involved too. The cops are basically sort of in cahoots with, uh, with the kidnappers. And, um, he's basically, uh, fighting cops and thugs at the same time. Uh, it, in, in, uh, very uh ridiculous um and I, i'd say well-directed action sequences yeah um but that's essentially the movie um he uh then you know eventually uh sees kyoko the woman that um he has uh sexually assaulted uh his way into her loving him uh going off in a car and he runs after her um in a very goofy lupon-esque way <laughs> Um, and that's the movie. Uh, V, what'd you think of the most dangerous game? Um, as like 20 minutes in when you have your, like, I, I like an action anti-hero protagonist, somebody who's like shitty and lecherous, but to the point where he, he's holding this woman hostage, basically trying to get information out of her. And like, that was she's she's nude the whole time that was uncomfortable but then eventually just actively rapes her while talking on the phone to her boyfriend to try to make him jealous i guess uh is just a a bridge way too far for me to keep caring about this character or Mm -hmm. what's going on in the film it was just too gross and i pretty much mentally checked out of paying close attention to what was going on at that point. Um, I loved the music, but the actual events of the movie were just kind of like, I, I, I had a hard time just even paying attention from that point forward. And the, the moment doesn't explicitly repeat, but he does like physically assault other women throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just like I, you, they just keep doubling down on it. And the fact that it, we're supposed to think it's okay because like halfway through she gets into it and it, we're expected to believe she likes it and then pretty much becomes his like girlfriend from that point forward is just compounds how gross everything is. <laughs> While he's still pushing her away, he's like, he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like dressing his wounds and stuff. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's just all very upsetting. Like she goes and buys groceries for him and shit. And yeah, uh, I, yeah, it was, I, I even act, I wrote down like, Oh God, this is exceedingly uncomfortable. And <laughs> like, look, 
I'm fine with a little with a little nudity in my movies. It, I, I, as soon as like you see this lady nude in the bed and he walks in, I'm like, okay, this is a '70s movie, all right. But then like it gets really out of hand. I, uh, I this coupled with the uh, the exposition of the uh, of the CEO basically telling him who to hit, it reminded me a lot of Sean Connery, James Bond. Mm, yeah, like it. It felt. It felt like it. It had that air to it, where like, oh well, in order to get information out of a woman, he'll do basically anything. You know, like mm-hmm. it, James Bond has never gotten to that point, uh, but I'd say come close. Yeah, even even the times he's come close, though it's it's, it's never that bad. Never this explicitly like assaulting a woman. Yeah. Um, and like moments b- before we have that super cool scene of like, we've seen him like get drunkenly beat up in a gambling parlor playing Mahjong. And then to go from that to this like badass scene of him in his apartment training and how like ripped he is <laughs> and doing like cool, God. like trick shots, looking in mirrors and stuff. Yeah. It, to it, this was just such a letdown. It was a huge letdown. Um, we should talk about his apartment for a hot second. He lives uh, in a bowling alley, right? Like, there's a part where he's beating his belly with bowling clubs or yeah. with bowling pins <laughs> as training. It's and just like, he's okay, using okay, his, guy. yeah, he's using the bowling pins as like a, a push up <laughs> device. And then you see him run into the bowling alley later. I don't know, like the the it, it really sucks because the sheer goofiness of most of this movie is severely undercut by his behavior towards women in this movie. Um, I don't think it's even that. I think it's like, I, I think the main problem, I mean, I think that is a major problem with it for sure. Don't get me wrong. I, but like even outside of that, if you, if you kind of push aside the misogyny and, and rape, uh, flat out rape and stuff and it like, I think that Yusaku Matsuda is just kind of like completely lacking of any charisma, like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's interesting. I think he's, like, a pretty boring character. And, like, even those moments where he's supposed to be kind of endearingly pathetic, you know, failing at gambling and and kicked out of a club by a stripper and stuff, like, he's just not really bringing anything to it. And those scenes, like, fall flat and aren't very... Like, even before he rapes that lady, like, I, I'm just, like, not that interested in him when he's, like, failing... When the Mahjong... Par- like whole part at the beginning i was just like that he's not i don't know he just doesn't have any sort of like interesting spark to him right especially if you compare him to another famous gambler zatoichi uh like any gambler gambling scene with zatoichi is is like is exceedingly uh exceedingly exciting because um he has this light in his face when he does it and this guy is just like I don't know. He he seems sleepy like the, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of the time when he's doing everything, um, and uh, during action sequences, he's just basically just throwing himself into it. Like it's he either has two modes: either being completely reckless and just blindly running into shit, or just being sleepy and, and apathetic. And uh, as a as an improviser, uh, one of the biggest rules that you ha- kind of have to follow when coming onto the stage as a character, uh, you never want to be apathetic because nobody wants to see that. Yeah. Like nobody wants to see that attitude, like a very basic, whatever attitude. And I, I kind of, 
I kind of get the coolness factor because he like I, I wrote down that every outfit that he wears is really cool. Yeah, I think he looks cool. I think his, yeah. he's tall and lanky in a like cool way, and he has cool outfits. And so he like <laughs> that's why he's a perfect model for a completely different character in, in other <laughs> series, right? Yeah. It's because he like looks so cool, but he has like zero personality. It's so weird to me because this is is more or less the kind of <clears throat> not character wise, but just general storytelling template wise of Golgo 13, who is mm-hmm. another quite problematic uh, assassin. Oh, God, he looks just Japanese like him. Media. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the Golgo 13 stories, just like him as a character, even though he is just this kind of almost mute monolith a lot of the time seems more compelling than, uh, than Matsuda's character in this. Yeah. And I think that those, these, this and that probably come from a very similar place. Um, and I think it's just that, um, I'm blanking on the name, but the, the artist of Gogo 13 is able to kind of like convey something very compelling and something like this that has such little story, but is all kind of mood and feeling like just really needs to hang on somebody that's compelling, you know, and that's charismatic. And like, if it was a Bunta Sugawara or something, you'd be like, oh man, the stuff that he's doing is awful, but like, I can't help but keep watching it, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, Matsuda just kind of lacks that. Uh, yeah. Takao Saito is... Takao uh, Saito, that's right. Yeah, and, and honestly, Gogo 13 looks more like uh, Shintaro Katsu to me, <laughs> uh, if we're comparing him to uh, Japanese actors. Yeah, I mean, huh? there's there's been two live action movies that I want to see at some point. One with... Uh, Sunny Chiba as as Gogo and one oh, wow. at, with Ken Takakura. So which I think would be two very different movies. I'm very curious to see those two and compare them at some oh, point. Oh god. Yeah, I've never Ken seen Takakura the live action. Yeah. So so uh it's funny because Sunny Chiba and Buddha Sugawara were mentioned in in this article. Uh actually I'll I'll even read the passage here. It says the late Yusaku Matsuda remains an ultra cool pop culture icon 30 years after his death and 40 after his reign as the action king of Japanese cinema. Though there were several other contenders for the crown, Sonny Chiba or the tough guy Yakuza stars Ken Takakura and Bunta Sugawara, to yeah, name there a few. We go. <laughs> but it's Matsuda's intense screen presence, which continues to endure as an example of mid-70s extreme masculinity. Uh, by the way, this is um, this is from a uh, this is a blog called Windows on Worlds, uh, written by Haley Scanlon, so you can um, check that out on oh. the internet. Yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he writes a lot of cool articles. Yep. Um, uh, but I thought that interested. was interesting that you that you that y'all brought those names up because yep, mm. those all three of those names were <laughs> not dropped. Uh, I'd be interested to see if Matsuda has more to work with in detective stories since that's the the more like enduring and broadly appealing mm. thing that he was in, and also is probably a character with a, little, a bit of a softer edge, being a. Uh, a detective rather than assassin and i assume not sexually assaulting women based on it being a tv show rather than a yeah a you know exploitation a, movie <laughs> here's the part of the podcast where someone describes a gif but um there's a really great gif uh, that i believe is from detective story of like i think a credit sequence where uh he's sitting in one of those teacup rides at a amusement park and it like spins around and so then you see his face and it zooms in on his face and it's like he's zoomed around very like 
seriously in an office chair or something, but it's in a teacup ride. And it's a very charming, funny gift that I have always been like, <laughs> I want to know more about this. <laughs> well, you know, uh, as far as the role that kind of, um, you know, gives him that that quality, uh, the rest of that passage actually says that this image was large part uh, was in large part created through his work with director uh, Murakawa and roles inspired by hard boiled novelist uh, Haruhiko Oyabu in uh, the movies Resurrection of the Golden Wolf and The Beast Must Die. Mm. Um, so I guess those are two to look for when it comes to trying to see what made what exactly made Matsuda so um, enigmatic. Um, as far as uh, being an action star goes. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of like willing because, OK, so it's not Matsuda's fault that it was written in necessarily that he like rapes a lady and stuff. That's 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 a whole other like bigger picture problem. But um, so I, I am curious to see more with him. Um, like, I would really like to see that detective story. I'm curious now about those two titles that you mentioned. Um, but it's the kind of thing where like. I now know why I never found the other two movies in this trilogy is that I'm sure I just like watched this and was like, eh, I don't need to see any more of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I will say uh, the direction is really great. Like um, I thought that there were a lot of really interesting shots and like cool moody lighting and stuff that, that kind of complemented the music and the overall vibe uh, of this movie and it had a lot of like handheld camera, which I, I kind of go back and forth with about how I feel about. But like that and all this sort of like shots of the grimy city and stuff like I think really captured this uh, feeling that I'm sure was trying to kind of replicate the American uh, exploitation grindhouse type stuff. Um, and I thought it looked great. Like I thought a lot mm -hmm. of components of this movie were cool for sure. Yeah, I have like I my feelings on this movie are definitely a mixed bag. Largely, I don't like it, but I, I do think that um, I, I, I wrote down about the, the camera work I thought was really great, especially in some of these action sequences where he's holed up in the building um, after he gets shot. And it's it's mostly dark, but uh, there's several points of light, and I think that there's a lot of cool imagery there. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed it from like like you said, it has this grindhouse B movie type uh type uh, uh feel going on. And um, you know, I think that's just the 70s in a nutshell, to be honest. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of like movies like Death Wish or the Dirty Harry movies, you know. Yeah, or like Shaft or something like it has yeah. a very like yeah, scrappy uh crime movie where somebody's uh running around an abandoned building and stuff, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. a very specific kind of feel. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ono's soundtrack, I think is really interesting. Um, I wrote down that, uh, it mostly consists of super Mario pipe sounds. <laughs> yep. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that was like, this is the exact, exact sound. Oh man. Uh, um, <clears throat> I missed that. That's so yeah. good. Oh, it happens so much, Joey. <laughs> it's great. Like it's, it's, that's all I could think about the entire time. Uh, 
Yeah, so... The first thing I did after watching this was go look up the sound chip for the NES and try to figure out if it was in any <laughs> synthesizers at the time. Because a lot of a lot yeah. of hardware in old consoles were just repurposed, like, uh, synth chips from, like, keyboards and stuff. Um, and sadly, it was not. So it's just happenstance. Mm. It sounds identical. Um <laughs> To an NES sound chip. But yeah, that was so wild. The first time I heard it, I was like, wait a second. And then it happens again and again. Yeah. I. <laughs> the most dangerous game is Koopas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wish there were Koopas in this movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's. <clears throat> the the movie's faults really lie within the the, the overall view of what. Uh, masculinity was at this point, right? Like, mm. do you agree? Like, I feel yeah. like it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a shame really. Cause mm, he can't do any wrong, you know, like it's, and when he, when he goes to confront Adachi's uh, mistress and like, you know, he basically threatens to stab her in the breast. Like it's, you know, it, you never see him do this with any any guy, right? Like he's basically mm. just kind of shooting dudes. But when he comes face to face with a woman, it's you know got to get information out of her somehow, and this is the only way. No, yeah, I know how. Shake that top off, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually, he's like at the end of the movie, he's like at a peep show, right? Like that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I looked up that actor uh, that she was like, I prefer men that look like blah blah blah, and he's yeah, like a guy. model. Uh, an actor from the time who did look very dashing. Um, yes, uh, I, um, Masao Kusagiri or yeah. Kusagari. Sorry, yeah, yeah, but um, you know, I think that this is just supposed to be a sort of like you know, yeah, I think this is totally meant for kind of bitter salary men to go see this and be like, yeah, those pretty boys suck. I wish I could like assault the the secretary in my office, you know, it's just like gross. <laughs> wow. That sounds like you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Actually, <laughs> Salary man, uh, salary man, fantasy movie, mm-hmm. I guess. All right. Yeah. It just sucks that the male pet, like power fantasy has to involve like hurting other people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, why can't it just be that you're so manly that the, the, the women fall in love with you that not that you have to actually hurt them before that happens, you know? Uh, Joey, you should play the Yakuza games. Mm. <laughs> that's basically, basically, uh, in the Yakuza games, male power fantasy equals uh, helping people. Ah, I love yep. it. Yeah, I, w- I would if, uh, if I had the if you had a correct console. console. Uh, I, I think, I think you might have one in your house, but we can talk about that off air. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I, I did want to mention that. Uh, my, my other video game fact for the episode. I don't know how intentional it is, but uh, Ichiban from uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon visually looks a lot like Matsuda to me mm. with the kind of like his facial features and the like big perm he accidentally gets. <laughs> <laughs> Probably is. Um. Okay. Uh, well, uh, let's move on a little, um, uh, try to, you know, try to squeeze, squeeze, uh, squeeze it like it, like it's a sponge, um, (laughs) favorite parts of the movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
Uh, v, would you would you go first? Um, it, definitely the soundtrack. Like when when the Toei logo comes up and the music comes in, I literally said yes out loud, uh, just because of how like badass and familiar that that Japanese seventy jazz funk is. Uh, just like the the vibe of the whole thing, the instrumentation that they use. Uh, it's like, I would love to have the soundtrack of this, uh, on vinyl. It's just so cool. And so period specific. Um, even if it doesn't always fit what's going on in the film, like a deadly shootout and you've got this like rollicking fun jazz, (laughs) um, that makes it seem more like madcap and goofy, like Lupin, uh, than it actually should be. Um, but yeah, I just love that aspect of the film, uh, unconditionally. How about you, Joey? Yeah. You know, I considered, uh, saying the soundtrack for this part. And I think that in the kind of middle of the movie, when I was starting to kind of, uh, lose interest in stuff, um, that was definitely a top contender and then I did actually get grabbed by a scene uh, towards the end of the movie. I really like the rooftop shootout part. Um, I think that that scene is obviously kind of what the movie hangs on as a major set piece with the helicopter going around and all that stuff. Um, I think Matsuda, like I was saying, his like lanky figure like really looks good, just kind of hopping around on the rooftops and stuff. And then mm-hmm. when he's like crouched down, especially with that, a super long rifle or whatever he has. Like it just like makes a good silhouette and he looks very good and cool um, in that, um, that part. And I found that part the most kind of compelling and interesting um, seeing him kind of crouch around and try to dodge these uh, sometimes at uh, times laughably inept uh, snipers. Like sometimes it seemed like you can't get him when he's climbing down a rope on the side of the, of the building. But, um, but I, I thought that that whole sequence uh, where he's on the roof, the roof like surrounded by the cops and he, he shoots his way through a door and, and makes his way down the, the stairway and, and down that rope and stuff was uh, pretty interesting. And in a, in a movie that I had sort of been losing interest in, that did grab my attention that that scene is visually really great uh but two things took me out of it one is the uh whatever gun sound effects they have are very (laughs) ineffectual sounding (laughs) just a lot of like pop gun noises but the other thing that took me out was like you get that real far out helicopter shot of his of the rooftop he's sniping from and i'm like what kind of sniper is going to post up in a place with like no, no real exit plan aside from go back down the building. Like what, how incompetent do you have to be as an assassin? He's not good at this. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's funny you brought up the sound effects. I wrote down that the sound effects, uh, sound like mortal Kombat or Duke Nukem, uh, Uh, like they're, they're too loud for the, like they sound too loud and too samey. Um, I mean, and you mentioned the Lupin gunshot as well. Uh, yeah, that's where I heard the, his gun in particular was the exact sound mm-hmm. effect of when the Lupin gunshot hits the logo, uh, at the beginning of Lupin stuff. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, speaking of Lupin, my favorite part of the movie is, um, 
is after all of that, after the, well, I mean, uh, I got to give a shout out to the, um, uh, the final action set piece where, uh, he shoots the guy in the car and then cartwheels out of the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I had to wonder if that was actually Matsuda or if they hired a stuntman for that. Cause it looks so slick. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty sweet, but my favorite part of the movie is um, when he's going to kill um, Adachi and he's running through the temple and he kicks a guy in the face as soon as he runs in. Um, <laughs> he's just running through kicking guys. And that's what reminded me of Lupin the most. He's just this really frantic uh, action sequence where he's just running in, not like just devil may care and just kicking people in the face. I don't know. Um, it's it's like maybe a one minute long scene, but I thought it was really fun. <laughs> Um, I actually have a couple, I wouldn't call them runners up, but I marked them. Uh, before I, moving on, I wanted oh, yeah. to, to mention about that scene that it reminded me, uh, both of the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> uh, scene of the guy just like running forever and then running up and stabbing people. Yes. Uh, but also rather than Lupin in that scene, that was what, aside from like the training sequence, what most gave me Spike Spiegel vibes mm-hmm. of right. like. Spike when he's in the mode of like, I do, I do not have the time to screw around with you people. And it's just like, pop, move on, pop, move on. And just like has more important stuff to deal with than these henchmen. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like he looked at his watch and was like, oh, we got to make the runtime of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a, the, a, the, a, the, a bunch of other stuff that I, I, um, uh, that I marked here. One of them is something one of the cops, uh, well, when the cops are beating the shit out of Narumi, one of them says, uh, our violence is protected by the law. And I thought that was a very, uh, like, <laughs> wow, that's, that sounds like a thing that, uh, I mean, I mean, and things haven't changed. Speaking of the cops, I love that one guy, one of the cop guys that has the like big bandage over his nose. I just always kind of <laughs> love that look of the guy who's been beat up, but is still having to like go mm-hmm. to work that day. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this is the moment that made me laugh a lot, though. Um, I actually had to watch this three times so I could write down exactly what what they, what they were saying. Um, when, when Kyoko comes back with like the newspaper, she throws him the newspaper and says, did you dump Nanjo's body in the garbage dump? And then the paper says Nanjo's body found in garbage dump. <laughs> like it says the exact same thing that she's like verbatim. Oh man. Yeah. It's like that, that sort of old joke about how old Marvel comics used to be where it's like a guy punching somebody and the caption says he punched him and, and his word bubble says, and I'm punching him or whatever. <laughs> very Stanley. Yeah. yeah. It, remind, it, it reminded me of like a trauma movie, honestly, yeah. like very like, uh, so yeah, that's, that's sort of, that was it for me. And, and the music that went without saying, I think that was the first thing that I marked down with a mm. star in my notes. Um, the Mario pipe music. Um, okay. Uh, shall we dance? Uh, what do y'all think? Remake? Western remake? Hmm. I mean, it seems it seems almost like a an adaptation of a Amer- I like I got a very American exploitation vibes from this movie. Yeah. So it, yeah. it feels very American, but it, it also like doesn't have any story. Like it's not it doesn't feel worth remaking. Yeah. You know? From what I've from what I've read, the conglomerate that they that they spend so much time ex- expositing. Um 
doesn't really factor into this movie at all, but it does for the other two. Oh, I that's think. interesting. So, yeah. Um, not sure if I want to watch the other two now, but, uh, I think I know, at some it's, point, it's the thing I, I, I always kind of want to know, but like, then it's like, there's so much other stuff to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. Um, this, this does seem like this is something that has already been made considering that the story is barely there. Yeah. Like it, it definitely just seems. Yeah. It's like, something you know. that it's a framework you would build out for an actual movie. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. Uh, the Takashi Shimura award. Did anybody stand out in this movie? <laughs> uh, you know, for me, uh, I don't know the actor's name, but I called him uh, Mustache Creep uh-huh. in my uh, notes. Uh, he's the the assistant to the b- big boss. Yes, Dobashi uh, is his Dobashi. name. Yeah, I love that guy. Uh, I thought he was great. Um, uh, he had a good look. He had big buggy eyes that he'd make at Matsuda every once in a while. And uh, he had a, a lot of screen presence that a lot of other characters did not have. Is he the guy that had the cape on? Yeah, the <laughs> cape. That, the cape gets my uh, my award. Um, mine actually goes to Kohinata, I, I think, was the, the boss's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's good. Just because, yeah, he, he is a very good, like, shady, I'm, I'm legit, but I'm actually a crime boss archetype guy and and the closest to a proper character archetype i latched on to through the movie yeah yeah I'll, I'll agree i'll agree on both accounts i uh i um i wanted to like matsuda a lot more than i did but uh yeah. as far as final thoughts go like i i do want to give uh, him another shot considering how prolific he is and uh it's actually really uh, tragic um, that he died so young. He died yeah. at the age of 40. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, you know, I mean, when you have a, it's it kind of speaks volumes when you have a career that prolific and you die so young. Um, but you know, you never know. I mean, uh, James Dean could have been a shitty actor <laughs> in his <laughs> later years. So, um, I don't know. Any final thoughts before we close the book on the most dangerous game? Mm, yeah, I, I have to concur. It's, 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 um, it's disappointing because I wanted to like it, I guess is like he, he has all, he has the look of a cool guy, but I just wasn't feeling it. And, um, it has the look of a fun film, but it wasn't. And, you know, I, I would say, yep, music's great. It's well-directed. Um, you know, maybe worth seeing if you're a completionist who likes like trash cinema or something, but like, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't highly recommend this at all. Yeah. It hasn't completely turned me off of looking at the rest of Matsuda's career, but yeah, I'm not interested in the, the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, my final, final thought is that the entire time I was watching this, it made me want to watch Cowboy Bebop. Mm. So, um, Watch Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> <laughs> or um, or, or yesterday I also did watch um Lupin and uh, Mystery of Mamo. Uh, That's friend good. Of the, yeah, friend of the show Shannon Strucci um did a really cool uh, Lupin the First uh, video where she talks about Mamo a lot and uh, and it is a crazy film. Um, yeah, and that's a sleazy Lupin movie. It's a really sleazy Lupin movie, but it's awesome. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, yeah, so. 
uh, finding myself at the end of this episode recommending anime. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, what do we have going on for the next episode, V? Uh, for the next episode, we have our second Shinobu Yaguchi movie uh, from the director of Wood Job. We're watching Swing Girls. Ooh. Yeah. Awesome. I love Wood Job. Love it. Yeah. Swing Girls has been on my watch list for a long time. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, well, and you can find me, of course, at dude exclamation all one word on Twitter. Um, now that we're going to plugs, uh, please check out at Weeb Simpsons as well. If you haven't another Twitter account of mine, the one piece podcast I'm on every week, listen to that and subscribe to our Patreon and listen to me and Steve Yurko talk about the four kids dub of one piece every month, twitch.tv slash super art fight. Um, I'm not sure if we'll have any shows going on when this episode drops, but, uh, subscribe, keep us on your radar and, uh, V, where could the good people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at VriskaChat. V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Um, check in on me as I have a weird midlife crisis where I learned guitar and how to skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> skateboarding? Mm-hmm. You have a, like a longboard or like proper? Oh, no, no. An actual skateboard. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, uh... I've even when I was uh, even when I had young kid bone rubber rubbery bones, I uh, was too afraid to learn how to skateboard. So I uh, I commend you. Yeah, our friend Shout just out broke to his our arm. friend Robert, who <laughs> is part of my inspiration for skateboarding, who just broke his arm. Oh wow! <laughs> Sounds like he really won't have a broken arm, huh? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, and that brings us to Joey. Um, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Joey Weiser or Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram. Uh, Instagram is mainly art, whereas uh, Twitter is uh, all sorts of thoughts about uh, movies, uh, comics, uh, promoting my work, promoting other people's work, talking about taking out the trash, all the good stuff. Um, and please check out my graphic novels. Uh, Ghost Hog is out now, as well as the Merman graphic novel series. And please, 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 now is the time to... Uh, pre-order my next book Dragon Racer which will be coming out in the early summer uh, in June so um, please check that out Um, I think folks will enjoy it um, and I'm pretty proud of it so uh, yeah please uh, pre-order Dragon Racer let me know Uh, I really appreciate it and as for the podcast, uh, you can follow Toho Yaro on Twitter at Toho Yaro. You can like Toho Yaro on Facebook, where you can message us if you'd prefer not to use Twitter. Uh, Twitter is our kind of main hub where we will talk about any sort of movie news or cool things that cross our uh, view, as well as um, you know promoting the new episodes and talking about uh, what movies we're going to be covering, so you can track them down if you want. And um, yeah, and please email us, tohoyara at gmail.com. Uh, another great way to get a hold of us. And uh, and finally, we always uh, would really, really appreciate it if you'd rate and review uh, on your podcast, uh, podcast listening device uh, and subscribe. And uh, please check us out next episode for uh, Swing Girls.
Pantera.